as a couple, and Scott and I are no different, you know, opposites attract. And, you know, it really is true when it comes to your money. And people want to, again, put money in a category of just the financial planning side, but money impacts us every single day. Welcome to Couple Money, a podcast focused on helping spouses get on the same page, dump their debt faster, and get on the path to financial freedom together. I'm your host, Elle Martinez. This podcast is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Learn how by visiting bankbetter.org. Did you know that 75% of divorced couples cite money as the cause of their marital issues? With something so big causing that much of a problem, you think we'd become more proactive with making sure that our finances are in a good spot. But for many couples, those conversations aren't happening. There's a tendency in a lot of relationships to not talk about money until something goes wrong. The budget is broken or you're struggling to hit a goal that you made for the year. One reason couples give when they say they don't talk about money is that they're trying to avoid a fight. Maybe if they had a blow up in the past about certain spending and they'd rather not hash that out again, perhaps they couldn't come to an agreement on something that seems simple like making a budget. And this can be an especially big challenge when you're financial opposites. However, just because you see things differently with your money doesn't mean you can't work as a team. In fact, for some couples, those differences become an advantage as they tackle their goals like dumping debt, saving up for dreams like buying a house or investing towards their future. But how do you get there though? How do you mesh those differences into strengths? Scott and Bethany Palmer, The Money Couple, are on the podcast today to chat about how to get started with talking about and working through your financial issues and goals. They were financial advisors, and they noticed how their married clients were struggling with money, not just with the numbers, but in their relationships. And so they've been focused since on helping spouses work with their different approaches to finances and become a real team. In this episode, we're going to get into how money differences show up in our daily lives, understanding and respecting one another's different perspectives, and how to approach money talks so that they're productive. Hope you enjoy. What I love about what you guys are doing is that you are focused specifically on helping couples with their finances. But your story is a little different. Sometimes I, I interview couples um, and they share their personal story, but you guys professionally have been into finances. So I'm kind of curious, how did that work kind of translate to what you're doing now with The Money Couple? Sure. Well, it, it kind of started off with a pretty interesting story. We were, Bethany and I at the time, about 11 years ago, sat down with some clients that were very high net worth people. I mean, they had a lot of money coming in. He had a very successful um, technology business here in the Springs. And basically what happened was they came in and we had all the graphs ready and we, you know, all the boxes were checked and it looked beautiful on paper. And they came in and there was just this crazy amount of stress and tension in the room. So we're kind of looking at each other like, 
what's going on? Did they get into a fight on the eleva- in the elevator on the way up or on the drive over? So after about five minutes, I just said, you know, are y'all okay? I mean, do we need to leave the room for a couple minutes or do you want to reschedule this? And she just kind of blurted out. She said, no, actually, we're getting divorced and we're here to split up the assets. And she handed me a quadro. So Beth and I are kind of looking at each other like, whoa. So that was an interesting way to start that appointment. So after a couple of minutes of us kind of humming and hawing and looking at their quadro, I just finally asked them, I said, well, why are you guys getting divorced? And I have to say, you know, I was like, okay, somebody cheated on somebody, somebody got an addiction. I'm kind of going through all of my, you know, checklists on why you'd be divorced. And money didn't even dawn on me because they had so much of it. And so I just blurted out, why are you guys getting divorced? And she said, we're getting divorced over money. And Beth and I kind of looked at each other and said, (laughs) you're getting divorced over money because it's looking pretty good right now. And she said, no, we're just getting divorced over money. So for the rest of that time, we just did what they asked us to do. And we were splitting up assets and we were kind of figuring out what would go where. And so a couple days later, I knew him fairly well. Um, I called him and I said, just help me with this because I don't understand somebody with so much money, how you can be getting divorced over money. So just give me two quick, easy, dirty examples of this. He said, that's super easy. First one is coffee. And I was like, coffee. And he said, yeah, he goes, Scotty, you know, I love going and getting my cup of coffee every morning, which he was a big habit guy. He had his own whatever cost about $6. He said every day for the last 11 years, she hands me a thermos as I walk out of the house and says, why don't you just brew this at home? It's so much cheaper. And he says, and that thermos goes in my front seat and it sits there until I take it home and I hand it to her when I get home, still full. He said, and the same thing is true with lunches. So this guy really networked and built his business off uh, off these lunches that he would put on. So he would bring seven to 10 guys uh, every, three times a week to lunch and they would sit there and they would strategize and market and he would sell his company's um, you know, technology and he, he was phenomenal at it. He said, Scott, you know I do these lunches about three times a week. I said, yeah, it's a good solid business expense for you, amazing risk on uh, return on investment. He said, every time I have one of those lunches, for the last 10 years, even though we have all this money and clearly it's working, she asked me the questions. Where did you go to lunch? How much did you spend? Who was there? Why do you always have to pick up the check? And he said, you know what? After 15 years of her just nipping at me all the time about money, I just stopped caring. I don't want to spend whatever I want to do and I'm going to move forward exactly what I want to do. And that, that put Bethany on a real journey because when I came home and visited with Bethany about that later that night, we started looking for any kind of resource to be able to give them. And what we found is we're really good with books on getting out of debt, really good with paying your house off early, retirement savings, blah, blah, blah. But you know what we don't have? We don't have anything on why relationships struggle with money. And so that's really where the money couple was birthed. And out of that came the five money personalities. And out of that has come a lot of five books and traveling the world, teaching couples how to agree about money. And it's it's very interesting. At the time, we just, you know, we didn't have the five money personalities yet. So we didn't really know, but we're just trying to get context. And a couple other ones he said is, you know, I like to send my son on a, tra- I want to send my son on a traveling soccer team. He's really good at it, soccer, but she just can't even imagine spending the money for that. So it's like every day. And one of the things we realized and just for ourselves too, because 
and when we sat back and thought about it, we were like, well, we kind of struggle in those areas too, but we don't really think about it as money struggles. And then we, we looked and we was like, we really analyzed and started talking to couples and we were like, oh my goodness, money impacts a couple every single day, the decisions that you make about it. I mean, we want to say that, you know, money is just the financial planning part of it, but it's actually the emotional, the, the day-to-day money talk and and that's where the struggles were really coming in. So we were just really committed to to coming up with a solution to help help couples identify and label their differences, not just talk about them, but really have a hands-on way to label them. Yeah. And I love also when you're, you know, what you guys have been doing, um, first of all, just like the five money personalities, what I find interesting in the space is usually there's a quick label for a very simple one, a spender and a saver, and that's it. And I'm like, right. it's so much more nuanced than that. Oh, when you, you, you know, so when right. you have couples, yes. you know, because honestly, I feel like we all spend money, but it's going to be in different areas and different things, you know, um, in different ways. Exactly. So, I feel like when you are opposites, it's a blessing. But I also know from personal experience, it can feel like it's a burden. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to get your take about that, about like how couples can start like identifying their money styles and, and working together. Do you have any like a tips or advice based on your experience? Yeah. Yes. Well, one of the things is, is, you know, just foundationally as a couple and Scott and I are no different, you know, opposites attract. And, you know, it really is true when it comes to your money and people want to, again, put money in a category of just the financial planning side, but money impacts us every single day. I mean, I just went to the gas station and I had to decide, am I going to put high grade gas or low grade gas in my car? There is a money component to that decision. I have to decide and we have to decide, are we going to send our kids on that traveling, our one son happens to be really good at basketball, you know, the traveling basketball or just stay local with the high school. And so it's just, there's like every day, you know, our kids are going to prom, you know, who's going to pay for what when it comes to corsages and, and boutonnieres and all those kinds of things, you know, I mean, it's just crazy. It's just money decisions are just impacting us every day, all the time. And so again, if you have that label, that way to be able to identify your differences, it can be a game changer. One other thing before we get to dive into the money personalities foundationally, we believe that a lot of times couples, especially when it comes to day-to-day money talk, don't really even understand that they're conflicting over money. Let me give you an example. Let's say, let's go back to the gas example. Let's say Scott and I are going to get gas together because we're going to go on a day trip or something like that. And I'm sitting in the car and I notice out of the kind of the corner of my eye that he's putting the high-grade gasoline in the car. And let's say I, I didn't. I think high grade gasoline is a waste of money. I think why not put the cheapest? Why? And so I'm sitting there going, "Oh my goodness, does he always put the high grade?" I'm thinking this to myself. Does he always put the high grade gas in there? Is he always? Is he? I had no idea. I mean, is he wasting our money every time he goes to the gas? I mean, maybe I should be filling up the gas because he's not being responsible. I mean, he's just putting the high grade gas in there. So I'm thinking about these things while he's filling up the gas. Okay. So we go, then he gets in the car and I say, if I, this happens often with couples, uh, why do you put that, that high grade gas? That's like such a waste of money. 
And then he goes, oh, are you kidding me? You've got to put high-grade gas in. That makes your engine last longer. What? Are you kidding me? There's no difference between the gases. And then all of a sudden, a couple is in on a fight about gas in the car when they're supposed to be having a fun, nice day. And they don't even realize that that argument right there was not about the gas. It's about the money. It's about the foundational differences that you feel because of how, what, how you view money. And so these kind of things, it's so foundational. We're couples, and I'm sure there's listeners out there that can totally relate to a story like that. It can be about going to a restaurant and all of a sudden you're arguing, should we go out to eat or not? And you think you're arguing about going out to eat, but you're not. You're arguing about money. And so these day-to-day money talks are just so crucial to work through and to identify your differences. And one of the things that we, that we found was, when, as we were kind of going along in this journey, was you have to put a label on it. I mean, I think it's so stupid when people say, don't put labels on other people, because it's not like we go to the grocery store and guess what kind of canned food we're buying. We have a label on there, so we know we're buying peaches, not green beans. <laughs> So if anybody ever says to me, don't put a label on me, I'm like, well, I just put a label on you calling you a non-labeler. So um, <laughs> I think labels are, are very important so we know what we're dealing with or what we're getting. And that is so true in relationships too. So basically what would happen was Bethany and I would start going and we started speaking to couples and working with couples. And after about six years, we, we took all this data, we gave it to a statistical scientist at Stanford and said, help us really figure out how to quantify this. And then how do we actuarially put it into an assessment where people can go in and take an assessment and it tells you what your primary money personality is and your secondary money personality is. And so that's exactly, that's exactly what we did. So what we did was we broke it down into five money personalities. And then once again, you have a primary, which is usually the one that's pretty easy to figure out. But that secondary is just as important because it's kind of like, you know, the devil and the angel speaking on your shoulder at the same time. That's exactly how your money personalities work. So what we wanted to do was to help people say, hey, who's where you are? Now you can put a label on it. And more importantly, here's who you're married to. And now you can put a label on that too. So that when you're sitting in the car and you're thinking, why is he buying the mid to high grade gas? You can say, oh, that's one of his money personalities called a security seeker, which he loves to, or she loves to have a plan. And they're always trying to make sure that they're stretching things as long as they can. And so by, by putting that label on it, what really what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the driver's seat to understand that person in a totally different way. Right. So I love that because instead of her sitting there stewing about why he's putting the high grade gas in and wh- why he would ever do that, she could say, okay, he's, he's a primary spender. He doesn't mind spending the money. And then he also is a security seeker. He wants to make sure that, you know, his car lasts a long time, a plan. Security seekers like a plan. And so it's just like, oh, you're not going against it. You're figuring it out. Why do they think that way? And now you can have an educated conversation about it based on who you are not and who he is or she is not just fighting against it. You're actually working with it. Yeah. But I, I, what I like about what you're saying is also, it's not just, I know some people with the labels are like, don't label me, but 
when the intention is to seek some understanding and to find some compromise, then labels are so helpful um, because we come from like different backgrounds. Even if like growing up, I was talking to uh, Carl Richards and he was saying like, they grew up fairly close, but they had such different upbringings mm-hmm. that um, on the outside it looked the same, but like they approached money completely different. So I do agree with you. Like if you are willing to, you know, have this be a way to communicate and to see each other's perspective, I think labels are very helpful in this instance. Yeah. Yes. And you said something at the beginning um, of this um, uh, broadcast and that is, you said it's not that simple as just a saver versus a spender. And I love that because it's so true. Um, if those were the only two, it might be easier, but it isn't the only two. And we have a lot of um, research to show that. But so first of all, it's not just saver spender. And it's also not just, you know, each person doesn't just have two roaming around in their brain. They have they don't just have one roaming around their brain. They have two. So yes, it takes a little bit of study. It's not just this, you know, duh kind of thing. No, it's, it takes a little bit of study, but oh, it's so relieving and so freeing when you do. Yeah, definitely. And you guys do something different than I've seen others in the space. Like for example, with spending, you know, there's this kind of category. This is the person that spends X amount. Every time we look at the budget, it's them. But you looked at the nuances and you actually had a video about that, about some of the advantages of having a spender in the relationship. And I I just thought it was so good and not like it was a spin, but it was like, have you considered that this can be such an enriching part of your marriage? So do you mind kind of getting into that? Absolutely. What we find is that spenders are aimed in society because they're, they're the people that are really elevated are what we call savers and security seekers. Those are the ones that live by a penny by penny budget. And you know, they're, they're all, the responsible. Yeah. Ones. They're the responsible ones. And what we said was that's just not really true because if you look at a saver, what is, I mean, a spender, what do spenders do? Spenders grow the economy. Uh, spenders are your big givers. So you're, you're not usually going to find a super generous saver, but you're going to find a super generous giver. And so understanding that a spender is just as valuable as a saver or a security seeker is really important because they bring so much more to the table. And so often that money personality is shamed, but it, it, it's not, it shouldn't be. And then when you're married, let's say you happen to be a saver and you're married to a spender, you have to know just as important it is for you to save, it's that important for them to spend. So you have to put that in the budget. You have to put that in your cash flow worksheet because if you don't, that person is just going to end up spending anyways. So Scott and myself, for example, we're both primary spenders. Okay. So we, you know, that's probably where it's coming from in the sense of, just there's a lot of benefits to it. I mean, we're both, we're generous. We, we love to just go and have, have fun experiences and let money get in the way of that and things like that. So there's so much joy that that brings inside of our relationship. And so we've seen it so often, but our secondary money personalities are totally opposite. 
I mean, I'm a risk taker and Scott's a security seeker. And that's where our tension has totally been. And, and if, I wish we would have known this at the beginning of our relationship. So it plays itself out like this. Like, for example, so risk takers like new ideas. They like adventure. They like, you know, different things like to start things. Um, risk takers like big risks, like starting a business, but also small everyday risks like, like trying a new restaurant or trying, you know, a new style on their hair or their clothes or whatever. I mean, there's just, that's just who they are. But the security seeker is the exact opposite of that. Likes to go to the same restaurant, likes to go to the same place for a vacation, likes to wear the same style for a long time and, and is, is, has a hard time giving that up. And so what happens and in our relationship where our tension came in was not in the spending because we were both spenders. So that wasn't a challenge for us, but that difference between security seeker and risk taker, ooh, oh, it really, I mean, we found ourselves growing apart. It was that much of attention. And, and mind you, these are our secondary money personalities. And the reason we were growing apart is because I would always want to talk about my fun ideas and he would always shoot them down. And so after a while, I just kind of stopped sharing my ideas and he, he was happy, but yet I was finding myself kind of drifting away. And so, wow, those secondaries are huge. And here's the cool thing, you know, every single money personality has pros, every single one. And it also has challenges. So my goodness, if you have four money personalities roaming around in your relationship and you might know what the pros are, but you also know what the cons are, how much easier it is to have day-to-day -day money talk conversations because you're not shaming the person or putting the person down. You're saying, okay, let's talk through that saving way of thinking, you know, let's that kind of thing. I mean, I think the reality is if statistically half a divorce, a half a marriages end up in divorce. Of the half, according to a Washington Post poll, 70% said money was the number one reason for their split up. So if you're losing 70% of your marriage is over money, and then we've had over 300,000 people take our assessment online, of the 300,000 that have taken it, 80% are married to their opposites. Their primary so, money personality are opposites. I mean, we're sitting there going, I can't believe 90% of people aren't getting divorced over money. It's I probably mean, another 10% that just doesn't want to admit it. But I mean, it is true. such a so huge glaring problem. But what people want to do and where we think a huge mistake is made is what they do is they, they say, our problem is the budget. Our problem is this person won't, won't stick Adhere. to the budget. Yeah. Our problem this person controls money through the budget. Our problem is we don't have enough, we don't make enough money. We don't have enough saved for retirement. You can go on and on and on. Because that's how we've been taught to think as a financial advisor. That's how we've been taught to think that if you have all these boxes checked, you're going to have this great relationship. If you have more money, you're going to be happier. We know that's not true. Um, so, you know, it's all these things. But the, but the reality is, is once you understand those money personalities and you understand how to work in that, in that new lane that you've created, you can both get exactly what you want. You just, I'd have to do it in a different way than the book that you pick up that says, you know, if you get out of debt, if you're in debt, you need to eat ramen and, and generic potato paste until you get out of debt because you have to punish yourselves for getting into debt. It's a complete crock. It's totally, it's totally wrong. It's not going to work. Yeah.
I, I definitely agree with you. That's one of the things that even though when we got engaged, we talked about money first. I now actually advise like, let's not jump into the numbers because it's very easy to get into the blame game and it almost yeah. becomes this comparison thing. But yeah, getting to know your personalities then makes the conversations easier. Like what are your priorities? What are you value? Because I think we surprise ourselves. We'll say like, this is what I value. But by what we're spending, we can start analyzing, wait a minute, this is actually more important to me than I realize, or this is, isn't as important to me, you know? So again, having better discussions. This segment is brought to you by Coastal Credit Union. If you want to live better, you got to bank better. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Before we wrap up, I want to focus on some key takeaways I got from preparing this episode and also talking with the Palmers. The first one is be careful with how you use labels. Now, the whole spenders versus savers is usually not productive because as we mentioned during the chat, most of us do spend our money. It's just going to be on different things and that's okay. It's understanding what we value and what we prioritize. So taking an assessment like Scott and Bethany have on their site can be helpful because then you are understanding where your spouse is coming from and then seeing how you can use those traits associated with that personality or perspective so that you're playing to your strengths. The second one is, yes, you do have differences, but also focus on that common ground. What goals do you guys have that you agree on? And of course, it would be great if you can line up on some of the big goals, but start small. Is there something you would like to do in the near future, maybe within this year or in the next few years that you're both excited about? Starting off with that common ground and then using those different personalities can help you to reach your goals faster and then also appreciate one another's strengths. And then the last part is the money tip for the week. On your next Monday day, you can make it fun. See if you can take an assessment. It can be what Scott and Bethany have on their site at themoneycouple.com or kind of do your own conversation about what matters to you and why. And then maybe you can make it fun by guessing. How would you label your spouse? And keep it positive, but I think this is great when you start acknowledging and addressing that you don't see money exactly eye to eye but it's okay because you're a team and you respect those differences. And if you want to talk about this more, how to open up the conversation about marriage and money, don't forget we have a free and private Facebook group called Thriving Families. We're a really supportive community. We try to swap ideas, stories, and tips with one another to help us reach not only our money goals, but to be stronger families. You can join us at couplemoney.com slash FB. We hope to see you there. Special thanks to Scott and Bethany. If you want to take that money assessment to understand your personalities better, which can be a fun money date idea, or you just want to learn more about their work, please visit them at themoneycouple.com. As always, I'll have the resources we mentioned in this episode, plus some bonuses over at Couple Money. Next week on the podcast, we're switching gears and we're discussing earning more. Carla Titus shares the realities of running a business from home and how she and her husband created a system that fits them. 
So if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You don't want to miss out on that episode. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. Our theme song was by Gentle Regime. Additional music by Lee Rosevere and Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate it. And if you have any questions, stories, or tips you want to share, please remember to join our community. Just go to couplemoney.com slash join. Let's make money not a source of stress or a wedge in our marriage, but a way to team up together. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.